Part Two of The Yillian Way by Keith Lummer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Two. Retief leaned back, grateful for the lull in the music. The last of the dishes were whisked away and more glasses filled. The exhausted entertainers stopped to pick up the thick square coins the diners threw. Retief sighed. It had been a rare feast. Retief, Magnan said in the comparative quiet, what were you saying about dog food as the music came up? Retief looked at him. Haven't you noticed the pattern, Mr. Magnan? The series of deliberate affronts? Deliberate affronts? Just a minute, Retief. They're uncouth, yes, crowding into doorways and things like that. He looked at Retief uncertainly. They herded us into a baggage warehouse at the terminal. They hauled us here in a garbage truck. Garbage truck? Only symbolic, of course. They ushered us in the tradesmen's entrance. They assigned us cubicles in the servants' wing. Then we were seated with the coolie-class sweepers at the bottom of the table. You must be—I mean, we're the terrestrial delegation. Surely these Yill must realize our power. Precisely, Mr. Magnan. But with a clang of cymbals the musicians launched a renewed assault. Six tall, helmeted Yill sprang into the center of the floor and paired off in a wild performance, half dance, half combat. Magnan pulled at Retief's arm, his mouth moving. Retief shook his head. No one could talk against a Yill orchestra in full cry. He sampled a bright red wine and watched the show. There was a flurry of action, and two of the dancers stumbled and collapsed. Their partner opponents, whirling away to pair off again, described the elaborate pre-combat ritual, and abruptly set to, dulled sabers clashing, and two more Yill were down, stunned. It was a violent dance. Retief watched, the drink forgotten. The last two Yill approached and retreated, whirled, bobbed, and spun, fainted and postured, and on the instant clashed, straining chest to chest, then broke apart, heavy weapons chopping, parrying as the music mounted to a frenzy. Evenly matched, the two hacked, thrust, blow for blow across the floor, then back, defense forgotten, slugging it out. And then one was slipping, going down, helmet awry. The other, a giant muscular yill, spun away, whirled in a mad squirrel of pipes as coins showered, then froze before a gaudy table, raised the saber, and slammed it down in a resounding blow across the gay cloth before the lace and bow bedecked yill in the same instant that the music stopped. In utter silence the dancer-fighter stared across the table at the seated yill. With a shout the yill leaped up, raised a clenched fist. The dancer bowed his head, spread his hands on his helmet. Retief took a deep gulp of pale yellow liqueur and leaned forward to watch. The beribboned yill waved a hand negligently spilled a handful of coins across the table, and sat down. The challenger spun away in a screeching shrill of music. 
Retief caught his eye for an instant as he passed. And then the dancer stood rigid before the brocaded table, and the music stopped off short as the saber slammed down before a heavy yill in ornate metallic coils. The challenged yill rose and raised a fist. The other ducked his head, put his hands on his helmet. Coins rolled. The dancer moved on. Twice more the dancer struck the table in ritualistic challenge, exchanged gestures, bent his neck, and passed on. He circled the broad floor, saber-twirling, arms darting in an intricate symbolism. The orchestra blared shrilly, unmuffled now by the surf-roar of conversation. The yill, Retief noticed suddenly, were sitting silent, watching. The dancer was closer now, and then he was before Retief, poised, towering saber above his head. The music cut. And in the startling instantaneous silence the heavy saber whipped over and down with an explosive concussion that set dishes dancing on the tabletop. The yill's eyes held on Retief's. In the silence Magnan tittered drunkenly. Retief pushed back his stool. "'Steady, my boy,' Ambassador Spradley called. Retief stood the yill topping his six-foot-three by an inch. In a motion almost too quick to follow, Retief reached for the saber, twitched it from the yill's grip, swung it in a whistling cut. The yill ducked, sprang back, snatched up a saber dropped by another dancer. "'Someone stop the madman!' Spradley howled. Retief leaped across the table, sending fragile dishes spinning. The other danced back. And only then did the orchestra spring to life with a screech and a mad tattoo of high-pitched drums. Making no attempt to follow the weaving pattern of the yill bolero, Retief pressed the other, fending off vicious cuts with the blunt weapon, chopping back relentlessly. Left hand on hip, Retief matched blow for blow, driving the other back. Abruptly the yill abandoned the double roll. Dancing forgotten, he settled down in earnest, cutting, thrusting, parrying. And now the two stood, toe to toe, sabers clashing in a lightning exchange. The yill gave a step, two then rallied, drove Retief back, back, and the yill stumbled. His saber clattered, and Retief dropped his point as the other wavered past him and crashed to the floor. The orchestra fell silent in a descending wail of reeds. Retief drew a deep breath and wiped his forehead. "'Come back here, you young fool!' Spradley called hoarsely. Retief hefted the saber, turned, eyed the brocade-draped table. He started across the floor. The yill sat as if paralyzed. "'Retief, no!' Spradley yelped. Retief walked directly to the admirable Fakao Kao Kao, stopped, raised the saber. Not the chief of state, someone in the terrestrial mission groaned. Retief whipped the saber down. The dull blade split the cloth and clove the hardwood table. There was utter silence. The admirable Fakao Kao Kao rose. Seven feet of obese gray yill. 
broad face expressionless to any Terran eyes, he raised a fist like a jewel-studded ham. Retief stood rigid for a long moment, then, gracefully, he inclined his head, placed his fingertips on his temples. Behind him there was a clatter as Ambassador Spradley collapsed. Then the admirable Fakau Kau Kau cried out and reached across the table to embrace the terrestrial, and the orchestra went mad. Gray hands helped Retief across the table. Stools were pushed aside to make room at Fakau Kau Kau's side. Retief sat, took a tall flagon of cold black brandy pressed on him by his neighbor, clashed glasses with the admirable, and drank. Retief turned at the touch on his shoulder. The Ambassador wants to speak to you, Retief, Magnan said. Retief looked across to where Ambassador Spradley sat glowering behind the plain tablecloth. Under the circumstances, Retief said, you'd better ask him to come over here. The Ambassador? Magnan's voice cracked. Never mind the protocol, Retief said. The situation is still delicate. Magnan went away. The feast ends, Fakau Kau Kau said. Now you and I, Retief, must straddle the council stool. I'll be honored, Admirable, Retief said. I must inform my colleagues. Colleagues, Fakau Kau Kau said. It is for chiefs to parley. Who shall speak for a king while he has yet tongue to talk? The Yil way is wise, Retief said. Fakau Kau Kau emptied a squat tumbler of pink beer. I will treat with you, Retief, as Viceroy. Since, as you say, your king is old and the space between worlds is far, but there shall be no scheming underlings privy to our dealings. He grinned a yell grin. Afterwards we shall carouse, Retief. The council stool is hard and the waiting handmaidens delectable. This makes for quick agreement. Retief smiled. The king is wise. Of course, a being prefers winches of his own kind, Fakau Kau Kau said. He belched. The Ministry of Culture has imported several terry—excuse me, Retief—terrestrial joy-girls said to be top-notch specimens. At least they have very fat whatchamacallits. The king is most considerate, Retief said. Let us to it then, Retief. I shall hazard a fling with one of those terries myself. <laughs> I fancy an occasional perversion. Pakau Kau Kau dug an elbow into Retief's side and bellowed with laughter. Ambassador Spradley hurried to intercept Retief as he crossed to the door at Fakau Kau Kau's side. Retief, kindly excuse yourself. I wish a word with you. His voice was icy. Magnan stood behind him, goggling. Mr. Ambassador, forgive my apparent rudeness, Retief said. I don't have time to explain now. Rudeness, Spradley barked. Don't have time, eh? Let me tell you. Lower your voice, Mr. Ambassador, Retief said. Spradley quivered, mouth open, speechless. 
If you'll sit down and wait quietly, Retief said, I think— You think? Bradley sputtered. Silence, Retief said. Spradley looked up at Retief's face. He stared for a moment into Retief's gray eyes, closed his mouth, and swallowed. The Yills seem to have gotten the impression I'm in charge, Retief said. We'll have to keep it up. But, but, Spradley stuttered. Then he straightened. That is the last straw, he whispered hoarsely. I am the Terrestrial Ambassador Extraordinary and Minister Plenipotentiary. Magnan has told me that we've been studiedly insulted repeatedly since the moment of our arrival, kept waiting in baggage rooms, transported in refuse lorries, herded about with servants, offered swill at table. Now I and my senior staff are left cooling our heels without so much as an audience while this, this uh, multiple cow-person hobnobs with, with— Spradley's voice broke. I may have been a trifle hasty, Retief, in attempting to restrain you. Blaspheming the native gods and dumping the banquet table are rather extreme measures, but your resentment was perhaps partially justified. I am prepared to be lenient with you. He fixed a choleric eye on Retief. I am walking out of this meeting, Mr. Retief. I'll take no more of these deliberate personal— That's enough, Retief snapped. You're keeping the king waiting. Get back to your chair and sit there until I come back. Magnan found his voice. What are you going to do, Retief? I'm going to handle the negotiation, Retief said. He handed Magnan his empty glass. Now go sit down and work on the image. At his desk in the VIP suite aboard the orbiting core vessel, Ambassador Spradley pursed his lips and looked severely at Vice Consul Retief. Further, he said, you have displayed a complete lack of understanding of core discipline, the respect due a senior agent, even the basic courtesies. Your aggravated displays of temper, ill-timed outbursts of violence, and almost incredible arrogance in the assumption of authority make your further retention as an officer agent of the diplomatic corps impossible. It will therefore be my unhappy duty to recommend your immediate— There was a muted buzz from the communicator. The ambassador cleared his throat. Well— a signal from Sector HQ, Mr. Ambassador, a voice said. Well, read it, Spradley snapped. Skip the preliminaries. Congratulations on the unprecedented success of your mission. The articles of agreement transmitted by you embody a most favorable resolution of the difficult Cyrenian situation, and will form the basis of continued amicable relations between the terrestrial states and the Yill Empire. To you and your staff, full credit is due for a job well done. Signed, Deputy Assistant Secretary. Spradley cut off the voice impatiently. He shuffled papers, eyed Retief sharply. <clears throat> Superficially, of course. An uninitiated observer might leap to the conclusion that the uh, uh, results that were produced in spite of these um, 
irregularities justify the latter. The ambassador smiled a sad, wise smile. This is far from the case, he said. I— The communicator burped softly. Confound it! Spradley muttered, yes. Mr. Tchai-Chai has arrived, the voice said. Shall I? Send him in at once. Spradley glanced at Retief. Only a two-syllable man. But I shall attempt to correct these false impressions, make some amends. The two terrestrials waited silently until the Yill Protocol chief tapped at the door. I hope, the ambassador said, that you will resist the impulse to take advantage of your unusual position. He looked at the door. Come in. Tchai-Chai stepped into the room, glanced at Spradley, turned to greet Retief in voluble yill. He rounded the desk to the ambassador's chair, motioned him from it, and sat down. "'I have a surprise for you, Retief,' he said in Terran. "'I myself have made use of the teaching machines you so kindly lent us.' "'That's fine, Tchai-Chai,' Retief said. "'I'm sure Mr. Spradley will be interested in hearing what we have to say.' "'Never mind,' the Yill said. "'I am here only socially.' He looked around the room. "'So plainly you decorate your chamber, but it has a certain austere charm.' He laughed a Yill laugh. "'Oh, you are a strange breed, you terrestrials. You surprised us all. You know, one hears such outlandish stories. I tell you in confidence, we had expected you to be over-pushes.' Pushovers, Spradley said tonelessly. Such restraint! What pleasure you gave to those of us, like myself, of course, who appreciated your grasp of protocol! Such finesse! How subtly you appeared to ignore each overture! While neatly avoiding actual contamination, I can tell you there were those who thought, poor fools, that you had no grasp of etiquette. How gratified we were, we professionals, who could appreciate your virtuosity, when you placed matters on a comfortable basis by spurning the cat's meat. It was sheer pleasure, then, waiting to see what form your compliment would take. The Yill offered orange cigars, stuffed one in his nostril. I confess, even I had not hoped that you would honor our admirable so signally. Oh, it is a pleasure to deal with fellow professionals who understand the meaning of protocol. Ambassador Spradley made a choking sound. This fellow has caught a chill, Tchai-Chai said. He eyed Spradley dubiously. Step back, my man, I am highly susceptible. There is one bit of business I shall take pleasure in attending to, my dear Retief," the Chai-Chai went on. He drew a large paper from his reticule. The Admirable is determined that none other than yourself shall be accredited here. I have here my government's exequator confirming you as Terrestrial Council General to Yill. We shall look forward to your prompt return. Retief looked at Spradley. I'm sure the Corps will agree, he said. Then I shall be going, the Chai-Chai said. He stood up. Hurry back to us, Retief. There is much that I would show you of Yill. 
I'll hurry, Retief said, and with a yell wink, together we shall see many high and splendid things. End of Part Two of The Yellian Way End of The Gambler's World and The Yellian Way by Keith Lommer these stories recorded by Phil Chenevere in Greenwell Springs, Louisiana, October of 2012.